Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. You are listening to PGN Prophetic Grace Network. This is the live internet broadcast for Secrets Revealed. Understand the book of Revelation from start to finish. Today we are talking about the marriage supper prophecy. And I am going to share from you from the available one-page basic study notes. They are available for all truth seekers and friends of PGN at blogtalkradio.com backslash live prophetic. The key topics, key topics in the marriage supper prophecy. So there, there are lots of things on the one-page basic study notes, but I want to share briefly before we dive right into the marriage supper prophecy, what are some of the key topics? the Battle of Armageddon, the Antichrist, the False Prophet, and the Armies of Heaven. If you have an interest in these topics, stay tuned. This is the program for you. Now, if you have a question or you want to share your perspective about the book of Revelation, at any time you may use our PGN text number, which is one two one four five zero five eight seven one nine. Please feel free during the live Internet broadcast or at any time to present a question about the book of Revelation or share your perspective using our PGN text number again. That's one two one four five zero five eight seven one nine. And as always, uh, we take callers here on PGN. We're here to minister to God's people, to uh provide information for those who are truth seekers. Our PGN phone number is one three one nine five two seven six zero two seven. So as you may know there are two PGN phone numbers. The PGN phone number for this particular program, Secrets Revealed, understand the book of Revelation from start to finish. You can reach me and us during the live internet broadcast using this phone number one three one nine Five two seven six zero two seven. So you can use the number simply as a way to connect to the broadcast and listen, or when you dial the number, if you press one, that raises your hand in the virtual queue, which lets me know that you want to say hello, or perhaps you have a question or a prayer request, or you want to present your perspective on the Book of Revelation. You can do any of those things, and I'm excited for you to be with us and with me today. We're talking about the marriage supper prophecy. Now, what is it? What is it? It is a vision. John the Revelator was shown when he was called up to heaven. The book of Revelation has six parts by my analysis as your book of Revelation research scientist. I'm so pleased and honored that the Lord has called me to be a teacher of the book of Revelation. It's 
my number one assignment in life. So I take it very seriously, and uh, I value your time. I value your time, so I promise you that I'm coming to you today, having been in prayer, having been in study, uh, on the book of Revelation, and here's what the Lord has given me for you and for us today. Now, the book of Revelation, by my analysis, has six parts. It includes a preface and a formal introduction. Then it begins at that point with Jesus Christ talking. 100% of chapters 2 and 3 are the words of Jesus Christ. He had words of praise and words of criticism and words of promise, those three things. Words of praise, words of criticism, and promises for those people, his people, who were in the seven churches that existed at the time that John the Revelator lived on this present earth. That's the third part of the book of Revelation, seven letters for seven churches. Fourth part, John's report on heaven. So if you were supernaturally transported to heaven today, what would you see? Well, John the Revelator, he had that experience. And he tells us exactly what he saw. Where can we find it? Chapter 4. If you're curious, I'm guessing you are, if you're curious about what heaven looks like, who is there, what are people wearing, what are folks doing? Well, John the Revelator told us exactly what people were wearing, what folks were doing, and what he saw when he was supernaturally transported to the physical location known as present heaven. If you want to know about it, that's in Chapter 4 of the Book of Revelation. So that's Part 4 of the Book of Revelation. Part 5, this is where we're going to focus today. Part 5 has all the prophecies, all the prophecies in the Book of Revelation. So, Several things happened to John when he was called up to heaven. Perhaps the most exciting thing that happened to him is that an angel of the Lord was assigned to show him visions. Today we call moving pictures with sound movies. So these weren't internal visions that John had. These were external visions that he was shown by an angel of the Lord. So an angel of the Lord was assigned to John the Revelator to show him visions while he was in present heaven. You know, it's like somebody calls you, says, hey, I want you to meet me in Dallas, Texas. I'm going to send a car for you. The person sends a car for you. You get in the car, you arrive in Dallas, Texas at the assigned location. When you get there, a person says, now I'm going to show you some things. And then the person proceeds to show you some documentaries. Well, that's essentially what happened to John the Revelator, except he wasn't in Dallas, Texas. He was in present heaven. He was in present heaven. Now, The angel of the Lord showed him 
more than one vision. By my analysis, John the Revelator was shown 12 visions, 12 moving pictures with sound. Today we call them movies, but it wasn't just any kind of movie. He was shown future realities. These visions documented soon coming future realities we call movies that are about facts, realities, documentaries. So essentially what John the Revelator experienced in heaven, in addition to seeing heaven, he was shown documentaries, 12 of them by my analysis. That's the fifth part of the book of Revelation. The first documentary he was shown, he wrote everything down that he saw in the documentary. Why did he do that? That was the instruction that he received. He didn't have the benefit of a cell phone or a video camera, so he used the best technology that existed at that time. What was it? Writing utensil. So he used a writing utensil and perhaps some parchment, and he wrote down to the best of his ability everything that he saw. So what we have are written reports of documentaries. We call them, because that's how they're referred to in the book of Revelation, we call them statements of prophecy. Statements of prophecy, that's how they're referred to in the book of Revelation. These are documentaries in words. So the visions that the angel of the Lord showed him, he wrote down exactly what he saw and heard in words. And so now we call them prophecies. We could also call them documentaries. Now what's the first one that he was shown? The seven seals documentary. Revelation chapter 5 verse 1 to Revelation chapter 8 verse 1. A lot happens in it. Then he was shown the seven trumpets documentary. Then he was shown the 1,260 days documentary. What happens to the woman during the Great Tribulation? That's the 1,260 days prophecy. Then the fourth one, he was shown the 666 Antichrist prophecy, the reality of the ten-nation alliance that will dominate economic and political affairs during the Great Tribulation, and six specific actions of the other beast, the false prophet, are noted. So actions of the Antichrist, the reality of a ten-nation alliance dominating uh, economic and political affairs, essentially the new world order, and six specific actions of the false prophet, all documented in the 666 Antichrist prophecy. Then he was shown, this is this is so wonderful, he was shown the marriage of the Lamb. The first resurrection, where? Chapter 14, verses 1 to 5. The 144,000 first fruits prophecy and verses 6 to the end of chapter 14, the earth reaped prophecy. He was shown the marriage of the Lamb. Other things too, but the key uh, event, the marriage of the Lamb in those prophecies. The sixth documentary John the Revelator was shown uh, was the Earth Reap Prophecy. The seventh is the Seven Plagues Prophecy. 
The eighth is the purple and scarlet prophecy. The ninth is the marriage supper prophecy. Okay, we finally got to it. That's what we're going to focus on today, the marriage supper prophecy. Just by way of completeness, let me also mention, the last three documentaries John the Revelator was shown focus on what happens after Jesus Christ fights and wins the Battle of Armageddon. In other words, what happens after the beginning of the government of Jesus Christ happens on this earth. So the last three documentaries he was shown, what are they? The Millennial Reign Prophecy, the Dead Judged Prophecy, the New Earth Prophecy, those focus on events after Jesus Christ has fought and won the Battle of Armageddon. But it's time for us to talk about the Battle of Armageddon. Now, these documentaries, they overlap. So, for example, in the Earth Reap Prophecy, at the end of Chapter 14, the Battle of Armageddon is mentioned. The metaphor used consistently in the book of Revelation for the strategy that Jesus Christ will use to fight and win the Battle of Armageddon is called the wine press. The wine press. So the grapes, the grapes are those individuals who are Team Satan, who have taken the mark of the beast, and who are there at the exact location where the Battle of Armageddon will be fought and won by Jesus Christ, those who are with the enemy, those who are on the side of the Antichrist and the kings of the world who are fighting against God's holy people. Okay, so we're going to talk about the Battle of Armageddon. It's mentioned in several prophecies, but the primary prophecy, again, what is a statement of prophecy in the book of Revelation? It's a vision John the Revelator was shown. It's a documentary about a soon-coming reality that will happen. The documentary that he was shown by an angel of the Lord when he was in heaven because he did not have the technology we had today. He used the best technology that he had, essentially pencil and paper, and he wrote down, he gave word to everything he saw and heard. So since we can't watch a TikTok video or YouTube video of the Marriage Supper documentary, we're going to hear the words describing the Marriage Supper documentary that John the Revelator was shown by an angel of the Lord. And it is exciting. Let me give you a quick overview of what you're going to hear. So where where is it in the book of Revelation? If you want to go there, and I'm going to uh, read it, we're going to hear it in a moment, but it's in Revelation chapter 19. It begins with verse 6, and it ends with verse 21, the marriage supper prophecy, the ninth 
documentary, John the Revelator, was shown. In other words, the ninth statement of prophecy. Now, here's what we're going to hear. Let's get a quick overview. It begins, it begins with John the Revelator seeing people in heaven and hearing the words of people in heaven. That's what, how it begins, the marriage supper prophecy. Then there's an announcement that the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Now think about this. When does Jesus Christ reign? Well, right now, if you live in the United States of America, Joe Biden is reigning. If you live in Canada, I believe Justin Trudeau is reigning. If you live in Japan, we can go on like that. So when will Jesus Christ rule and reign? He reigns when he establishes his government on this present earth. Well, when's that going to happen? Well, Isaiah chapter 9 says, And of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. That's good news. That's good news. Once he begins ruling and reigning, he's never going to stop. It will be a time of peace forever and ever. The increase of his peace will have no end. Now, when does it all start? It starts after he fights and wins the Battle of Armageddon. So the Battle of Armageddon is very important. It's very important. So, The second thing we're going to hear in this prophecy is an announcement that Jesus Christ reigns. So in other words, before he fights and wins the Battle of Armageddon, they're going to announce he's reigning. He's already won the Battle of Armageddon. All right, that's the second thing we're going to hear. Now, what's next? We're going to hear that the time has come for the Battle of Armageddon. So first they announce that he's ruling and reigning. In other words, they're announcing the end from the beginning, and then they say, oh, wait, now it's it's time for the Battle of Armageddon, and there's an announcement that uh, the bride of Christ, who's that? The church is ready. The church is ready, and we're going to hear that uh, – Every person who has participated in the first resurrection has a special outfit, has a special outfit. We're going to hear a description of what the outfit is. Okay, so um, then the fourth thing that we're going to hear is that it is a blessing for every person who's invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Now let me say this. The Battle of Armageddon is the wine press. We're going to hear that. So the, the strategy uh, the strategy used to win the Battle of Armageddon is the wine press. The wine press is a metaphor for what Jesus Christ does at the Battle of Armageddon. And the wedding feast of the Lamb is actually the cleanup plan. All right, so we're going to hear that it's time for the cleanup plan for the Battle of Armageddon next. Then, importantly, we're going to 
here that John the Revelator sees what's happening in heaven. He sees Jesus Christ standing in heaven. Now, you know, heaven is not where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be fought. Battle of Armageddon is going to be fought on this present earth, not on not in present heaven, but on the present earth. So before the Battle of Armageddon begins, John the Revelator sees Jesus Christ in heaven and his mode of transportation that he will use to leave heaven and come to the earth for the purposes of fighting and winning the Battle of Armageddon. Then we're going to hear a description of the armies of heaven following Jesus Christ. So that's exciting. It's the build-up to the Battle of Armageddon. We're going to hear the outfit that Jesus is uh, wearing, his gear. What's his gear? You know, when uh, a person is going off to war, whether a person's in, uh, if you live here in the United States, whether you're in the Air Force or the Marines, or uh, the Army, or one of the other uh, outfits that we have, when it's time to go to war, soldiers gear up, officers gear up. So we're going to hear the outcome of Jesus Christ being geared up, specifically what is he wearing and what are his weapons. So that's very exciting. Now, we're going to hear that. Next, John the Revelator tells us, that an angel of the Lord has an instruction for the cleanup committee. So when a war is fought and won, the aftermath, the aftermath is ugly. It's ugly. You know, if you've seen any images of war-torn countries, you just have to wonder to yourself, who's going to clean all this up? How are they going to rebuild how are they going to reestablish order? So the angel of the Lord, we hear John the Revelator telling us that the angel of the Lord announces to the cleanup committee for the Battle of Armageddon, you need to gather here. Gather here now. Gather here now because you are going to consume the carnage from the Battle of Armageddon. So we're going to hear that. Then we get a report of the Battle of Armageddon. Then John the Revelator sees the Battle of Armageddon happening. He sees on one side Team Jesus and the armies of heaven, and on the other side Team Satan, Antichrist, and the armies of those nations who have allied with the new world. So he sees them standing there in Israel, and the battle starts. Now, if you're like me, you'd be thinking, can we get the blow-by-blow account? We're going to hear that they're there, and the battle's about to start, and then we hear, oh, the Antichrist lost. He's captured. The false prophet is captured. So we don't. We do not get. We get a very detailed report here. But uh, you know, they lost. Sometimes when you watch the Super Bowl, 
you're you're uh, or let's uh, that's not the best example. Sometimes you're watching a you're watching a game. This is a great example: a boxing match. A boxing match. Sometimes you're watching a fight, heavyweight champion, heavyweight championship uh, fight or bout. You know, you're getting ready. You're like, okay, they're about to go 12 rounds. You got your wings ready. Maybe you drink Coca-Cola or Pepsi. Um, maybe you have some pizza. You know, you're you're getting settled in because it's about to be a big event and it's going to take some time. And then Mike Tyson steps in the ring and, you know, a minute and a half later, it's done. It's done. Tyson has uh, floored the enemy, the uh, the opposing Boxer has lost, and it didn't take Tyson long at all. Listen, Jesus Christ is beyond Mike Tyson, okay? So we're not told exactly how long it takes him and the armies of heaven to fight and win the Battle of Armageddon, but we're going to hear that they're there, and then the next thing, the beast is captured, the Antichrist is captured, and the false prophet is captured. Now, next. After we hear the disposition of the leaders, the key leaders, who are they? The Antichrist and the false prophet, the other two parties in the uh, unholy trinity. The other two parties in the unholy trinity, Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. So after we hear that the Antichrist and the false prophet are captured and what happens to them ultimately the last thing that we hear, and this is why this is called the marriage supper prophecy. Thank you for bearing with me as I give you this quick overview. This is so important. This is why this is called the marriage supper prophecy. The marriage supper, in other words, the wedding feast. The wedding feast is for the cleanup committee. So you might recall about midway through this documentary, John the Revelator is shown and he hears the angel of the Lord announcing to the cleanup committee, it's time for you, all of you, to gather because your assignment is to consume the carnage from this war that the rider on the white horse is about to win along with the armies of heaven. The very last verse in the marriage supper prophecy, Revelation chapter 19, verse 21, we hear that the cleanup committee indeed completes its assignment. They follow the instruction of the angel of the Lord and they feast. What are they feasting on? It's not fried chicken. It's not barbecue ribs. You know, I, in my fantasy, the wedding feast of the lamb would be barbecue ribs for the bride of Christ. But we're not going by uh, my fantasy or your fantasy or someone else's. We're going by what does the word of God say? Don't be mad at me when I'm reading the word of God and it conflicts with what you would wish it to be or what I would wish it to be, friend and truth seeker, okay? Now, it says that the feast, we're going to hear the great banquet that God has prepared is actually the flesh of kings and generals and warriors and humanity great and small. Now, certainly... 
Jesus Christ is not a cannibal. And certainly I am not a cannibal, and certainly you are not a cannibal. So there's no reasonable expectation that the wedding feast of the Lamb, in other words, the marriage supper of the Lamb is for the bride of Christ. Absolutely not. Now, we attend it, but we are not the diners. We do not dine on the flesh of kings. Who dines on the flesh of kings? Those who are in the cleanup committee. Those who are assigned to the cleanup committee. Now, let us go. Let us go to this prophecy, the documentary, the Mayor's Supper prophecy. We're going to hear the identity of those who are in the cleanup committee. Here it is. Let's hear it in its entirety, reading from Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21. This is the Marriage Supper prophecy. John the Revelator says to you and I, Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, Write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God, for the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head, were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe, at his thigh, was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures, flying high in the sky, Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, 
and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. And the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. That is the marriage supper prophecy in its entirety. You heard it, truth seeker and friend. How does it end? And the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. Now, what are the dead bodies? In verse 17, we're told the dead bodies are, quote, the great banquet God has prepared. And what were the vultures commanded to do? The vultures are the cleanup committee. They are the members of the cleanup committee for the Battle of Armageddon. Their instruction from the angel of the Lord will be, according to verse 18, quote, Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. Okay, so we know who the wedding feast of the Lamb, we know who will dine at that wedding feast. Now, why is this, a, why is this exciting? Why on earth should we be excited about some vultures eating dead bodies? Well, there are a number of reasons. Number one, when Jesus Christ fights and wins the battle of Armageddon, that is immediately followed by the beginning of his government on this present earth. Now, Isaiah chapter 9 says, And of the increase of his government and his peace there shall be no end. Do you long for peace? Do you have a heart for peace? Do you want to see judges making fair decisions? Do you want to see uh, a, uh, people living righteously? Do you want to see people praising the true God? All these things begin with the establishment of his government, which happens after the cleanup committee is in progress. In other words, after Jesus Christ has fought and won this righteous war. Now, let us turn our attention to those who have taken the mark of the beast. Let us turn our attention there. You heard that the beast was captured. Now, who's the beast? In the book of Revelation, sometimes the beast refers to the Antichrist. That's what it's referring to here in a marriage supper prophecy. Uh, Also in 
Revelation chapter 13 in the 666 Antichrist prophecy, sometimes it refers to the false prophet. For example, at the end of Revelation chapter 13, it says there was another beast, and then it goes on to describe the false prophet. And in the purple and scarlet prophecy, two beasts are referred to, the scarlet beast, that's the Antichrist, and also the beast that comes up out of the bottomless pit, that's Satan. So the beast is always referring to something on Team Satan. Sometimes it's Satan himself. Sometimes it's one of his flunkies, the Antichrist, or the other flunky, the false prophet. Okay. Now, let us talk about the mark of the beast. What is the outcome for those who have taken the mark of the beast? It is, it is, Death. Now, every person who fails to participate in the wedding, that's the first resurrection, uh, is going to either experience the first death after the resur- uh, after the resurrection, is going to experience the first death after the resurrection. That's what I mean to say. And will participate ultimately in the great white throne judgment. But let's stay right here. What are we shown in this documentary? It says, all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue, talking about uh, how the false prophet did mighty miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. So during the time of the wrath of Satan, that's the three-and-a-half-year Great Tribulation period, Every person will have to decide, am I accepting the mark of the beast on my forehead or on my left hand, or am I rejecting the mark of the beast? Some of the people who choose to take the mark of the beast and who uh, worship the statue commissioned by the false prophet, statue of who or what, statue of the Antichrist, that's one of the six actions of the false prophet described in the 666 Antichrist prophecy in Revelation chapter 13. The false prophet is going to commission a statue of the Antichrist. Subsequently, those who take the mark of the beast in total deception, they're going to worship this statue. Uh, and let us continue staying right here where we are in the marriage supper prophecy Some of the people who have taken the mark of the beast will be at the Battle of Armageddon. So at the Battle of Armageddon, on one side is Team Jesus and the armies of heaven. On the other side is Team Satan, led by the Antichrist and the armies of some of the nations of the world, all of the individuals who are in the armies will experience death as a result of the wine press. Let's make sure we leave our time together today knowing what the wine press is. Now, Jesus Christ, we heard that his gear includes an iron rod and a sword. Now, this sword, amazingly, 
He doesn't have to reach down to his thigh and pull up using his hand and then aim the sword like that, right? I don't know. Maybe that would take two seconds if you're super fast. You know, if I had a sword, I think I would have some kind of holster, and then I would have it on my right side because I'm right-handed, so I could quickly reach my uh, reach in and grab the sword and use it like that. Now, Jesus Christ is be- beyond what I would have uh, designed as a weapon. His weapon for the Battle of Armageddon is a sword that extends from his mouth. It extends from his mouth. Okay, so that's one of his weapons. It also says he has an iron rod. Now, we're not told that the iron rod is used at the Battle of Armageddon, but that he will have one. It's not clear whether he has that on his person as part of his gear at the Battle of Armageddon, but part of his gear is uh, not only his outfit, but he has a sharp sword. Now, this sharp sword is what's used to squeeze the grapes. Who were the grapes? In Revelation chapter 14, we're told that the grapes are those people who have taken the mark of the beast and they're there to wage a war against God's holy people and they are going to be squeezed. And what does that mean? You know, if we were making wine, which I've never made wine, I watch. I like to watch Shark Tank uh, with my best friend Daryl Paul. We love to watch Shark Tank. Mister Wonderful on there. He's a wine person, so they talk about grapes and wine, things like that. Now they use this metaphor, this metaphor of the wine press, to talk about the reality that the blood, just like. Uh, what you would see if you were making wine, it, it would flow. The the juice from the grapes would flow. When Jesus Christ uses that sword, the blood is going to flow, and it says repeatedly, like juice flowing from a wine press. We're told in Revelation 14, let's go there now, that it's going to flow for 180 miles. Now, that's a lot of enemies who are going to be there. Let's hear that briefly. Let's hear that briefly. So the Battle of Armageddon, the key prophecy is the marriage supper prophecy. But it's mentioned at the end of the earth reap prophecy. Let's hear it. Revelation chapter 14, verses 19 and 20. So the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes into the great winepress of God's wrath. That's verse 19. Let's pause for a second. What is the great wine press? Now, God's wrath includes the seven final plagues, and it culminates with the Battle of Armageddon. It's not limited to it. It's not limited to the Battle of Armageddon, but it culminates with the Battle of Armageddon. So the Battle of Armageddon is mentioned here. It says, the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes, into the great winepress of God's wrath. Here it is, the reality, the reality of Jesus Christ using his weapon. Here it is. The grapes were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and blood flowed 
from the wine press in a stream about 180 miles long and as high as a horse's bridle. That's a lot of carnage. That's a lot of flesh of kings and strong warriors and everything else that we heard earlier in the prophecy. Now, again, you know, war war is an ugly reality, but this isn't any war. This is a wonderful war. This is a war waged in righteousness. This is the war to end all wars. After this war, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, the rider of the white horse, establishes his government on this present earth, and the and the increase of his government and his peace will have no end. So we ought to be excited that this wine press is taking out those who have rejected God, those who have aligned themselves with the plans and purposes of Satan. Of course, of course, we would want everyone to repent and to get in right standing with God and to live out uh, the plans and purposes of our God. Some people will not do it. And some of those people who take the mark of the beast, who align themselves with the plans and purposes of Satan, who reject the opportunity to regain sonship, they reject the opportunity to be a child of God and instead choose to be a child of Satan forever sealing their fate, forever having their names blotted out of the Lamb's book of life, And those who participate, those who participate in the Battle of Armageddon on the wrong side. What's the wrong side? That's the side that's not the side of Jesus Christ. That's the side that's uh, Team Satan. Those who participate in the activities of the Antichrist. Those armies led by the Antichrist, their blood will flow. 100% of them are going to lose their lives. There will be those who take the mark of the beast who are not there at the Battle of Armageddon, right? Some will take the mark of the beast and they live in, you know, I don't want to name nations. People will think I'm picking on people. But everywhere in the world, there will be those who unfortunately do not have the wisdom of the Lord and they take the mark of the beast. But this specifically, the wine press, is talking about the grapes. The grapes, now the grapes are mentioned in the earth reap prophecy. The grapes are mentioned in the earth reap prophecy, and the grapes refer to those who are there and who are ripe for judgment. They refer to as the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, those there at the Battle of Armageddon. So, What does it all mean, friend and truth seeker? It means that the battle of Armageddon is sure to come to pass. It is coming to pass. And at the battle of Armageddon, those who are, uh, those who have participated in the wedding appear to be invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Now think about this. 
before you have a wedding feast, you have a wedding. Now, you might be thinking, well, when we marry Jesus Christ, in other words, when Jesus gets to experience all of his forever family in a tangible body. So right now, the family of Jesus Christ, uh, none is in a forever glorified, perfected body. So Jesus Christ is in his perfected, glorified, perfected, immortal body. He was the first to rise from the dead, hallelujah. Right now he inhabits that body. He's in a physical location known as present heaven, but he's waiting for his forever family to join him, to marry him, to be with him forever in our peak performance, glorified, perfected, immortal bodies. So that's the wedding. That's the wedding when he gets his forever family and we are in our forever bodies. Okay, that's the wedding. That's the first resurrection. That's described in the earth reaped prophecy, documentary number six in the book of Revelation. Starts with verse six of chapter 14, goes to the end of that. After the wedding is the wedding feast. Let me say that again. After the wedding, that's the first resurrection, is the wedding feast. Notice at the beginning of this prophecy, we're told that the bride has has readied herself. And we're told that our outfit, did you hear that? Let's go back and make sure we hear that. Now, recently, I went to a dance uh, a dance event. It's very exciting. I'm a hobbyist dancer. I don't know about you, but I just, I really enjoy dancing. I'm a hobbyist dancer. I don't know how good I am at it, but I sure do love it. I really have fun dancing. Now, at this dance event, one of the things I had to do was get my outfit ready. Now, uh, the a wedding event is much bigger than some dance event. So you and I, as individuals whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, maybe we're thinking about our outfit. Have you ever wondered, you know, what you're going to wear at the first resurrection, at the wedding? Well, here God talks to us about it. John the Revelator was shown our outfit for the wedding feast. Now, is this the exact outfit for the wedding? That's not said. Do we have an outfit change? It's possible. I don't know. What I do know, what we know, because it's shared here in the Marriage Supper Prophecy, is our outfit for the wedding feast. Now, remember, we watch the wedding feast. But we don't dine. The vultures are the diners. They're the cleanup committee. But what do we wear? Well, it says in verse 7, For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given. Let's pause there. You don't have to make your outfit. You don't have to buy your outfit. It's going to be given to you. Now think about the best outfit you've ever had. Surely this is going to top it. Surely this is going to top. It's going to fit your exact 
measurements, not your measurements right now, but your measurements in your peak performance body. So I'm going to be more fit in my peak performance body. I don't know about you. So whatever my exact measurements are then, I know that's what they're going to be. I know that's what it's going to be for you. But let's hear the details. What will you be giving, quote, the finest of pure white linen to wear, W-E-A-R. Now, you might say, this sounds carnal, research scientists. We're talking about the things of God, and you're talking about outfit or clothing decisions. Well, this is what the Bible says. Uh, apparently, God is interested in your outfit and my outfit, and it's it was shown to John the Revelator. It was important enough for him to write it down and be preserved in the Word of God for more than 2,000 years. So let's get excited. You're going to have a special outfit. I'm going to have a special outfit for the wedding feast. What is it? It's white. It's white. Now, it doesn't tell us, is it off-white? Is it, you know, bright white? Is it? You know, and maybe you say, research scientists, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's white. That's good enough for me. Ah, that is a good description. Okay, what else? Finest of pure white linen. I like linen. Linen, linen feels good. Linen is a great fabric for all seasons. So for whatever reasons, uh, the decision has been made for uh, all of us to have linen outfits. Now, perhaps you would have chosen cotton or uh, maybe velvet or chiffon. I don't know what you would have chosen. Maybe some kind of polyester blend, uh, but it's not going to be any of those things. Your outfit's going to be amazing. It's going to be pure white, and it's linen. That's what you will be wearing. Now you say, well, are you sure? Let's go back and hear it again. The time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. Now, who's the bride? The bride is the church. The bride includes those who are in Christ, those who are disembodied spirits in present heaven right now, and those who are in Christ, who will be here at the time of his second coming. And finally, there's a third group, all, all, all of those who remain in Israel because they believe God is going to return. They believe their Messiah is going to come back to save them. All who are in Israel, uh, all three, all, so those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It says in Romans, uh, after the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, who are the Gentiles? You know who they are. Those of us who are not part of biological Israel. After the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, all Israel shall be saved. Okay, that's the third group, part of the harvest. Now, take home point. Let us understand the timing of the wedding feast of the Lamb. So the Battle of Armageddon, the Battle of Armageddon happens after the first resurrection. So the first resurrection is the wedding of the Lamb. It's the marriage of the Lamb, if you will, just saying the same thing, just depending on what translations you're looking at. After 
the wedding of the Lamb is the Battle of Armageddon, and after the Battle of Armageddon, there's the cleanup of the carnage. So the cleanup is the wedding feast. Now, you might be saying, well, Lord, don't, don't you think, don't you think you ought to prepare a feast for us? Why are you hyped on these vultures? Why did why do the vultures get your attention? Listen, friend and truth seeker, this doesn't mean that we don't uh, dine, you know, after the government of Jesus Christ is established. It doesn't mean we don't get to eat with him. Okay, but this prophecy is telling us about the cleanup plan of the Battle of Armageddon. The cleanup plan and those who are on the cleanup committee, we are not on the cleanup committee. Don't be mad at that. Don't be mad at that. Okay. Now, we have heard the Marriage Supper prophecy in its entirety. I would love to hear from you. You can text at 214. Let me get that text number for you. 214-505-8719. That's our PGN text number. Now, when you text, that will go to Prophet Randy Chandler. When he gets a chance, Usually he's really fast with it, but as you know, he's doing many things. When he gets a chance, he'll forward that to me, and I'll follow up in a future Internet broadcast. Maybe you have a question about the book of Revelation. You might be thinking of it right now. You might think about it 3 in the morning or, you know, sometime this week. At any time, you can text in your questions about the book of Revelation. And, of course, we're always excited to hear your perspective. Listen, nobody knows it all except Jesus. Okay, so if I say something and you say, well, wait a minute, she's wrong about that, you might be right. You might be right. I don't, I don't say that I have 100% of it right. I say I am committed. I am committed to hearing from God, to studying the word of God, to getting uh, answers, secrets about the book of Revelation and I am doing my very best to share with you what God has revealed to me. So we can discuss these issues. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I might say one or two things that you say, ah, I'm not sure about that, or, well, I'm pretty sure she has that thing wrong. Well, what about the other 82 things? Maybe the other 82 things are right, okay? So, you know, sometimes... When a person doesn't say exactly what we expect or we uh, think, we say, oh, got to turn that person off, false teacher, false prophet. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm operating where God's called me to be. I'm here to share with you truths from the book of Revelation, and I'm excited to hear from you. So you can call to say I agree. You can call or text in and say, hey, you have that absolutely wrong. This is what it is. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with discussion about the Word of God because the most important thing is what does the Word of God say and what does it mean? Hallelujah. Well, I want to thank you for being with me and with us today. It's been my pleasure and my honor to talk to you about the book of Revelation. I want to speak a prayer uh from the book of Revelation over you, I want to pray this special blessing. Did you know that the book of Revelation has a special blessing for everyone who listens and obeys the words of prophecy in it? 
Let's hear it. I'm going to speak that over you now from Revelation chapter 1. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says. So, friend and truth seeker, I declare and decree according to the word of God that you are blessed. Because today you heard the words of prophecy from the book of Revelation, and I pray that you will obey what it says. And if you haven't done so yet, I encourage you, according to Jeremiah 33.3, call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know.